Welcome to Quarantine Seminary with Brother Isom. Hey everybody, welcome back to Quarantine Seminary. In the episode on Jacob 3, I mentioned the phrase firmness of mind. And I wanted to really go deeper on that phrase and and kind of tease out what he might be saying and how it might apply to us. So I thought that this would be a good opportunity to do the first of our kind of free-form episodes that aren't so much scripture walkthroughs, but are more just exploring a specific idea. The verses I'm talking about here are the first two verses of Jacob 3 where he says, Look unto God with firmness of mind, and pray unto him with exceeding faith, and he will console you in your afflictions, and he will plead your cause, and send down justice upon those who seek your destruction. O all ye that are pure in heart, lift up your heads and receive the pleasing word of God, and feast upon his love, for ye may, if your minds are firm forever. I'm probably going to be taking some liberty with that phrase, firmness of mind. I don't pretend to know all that Jacob has in mind as he's, as he's using that phrase, but I want to think through things that might make our mind less firm or unstable or shaky, and really things that we can actually do and practice to help firm up our minds. And specifically, I think what Jacob's wanting us to do is make our minds firm in Christ. I work a lot with youth, and one thing that I've seen firsthand but is backed up by research is that there's a significant uptick in the levels of anxiety and depression and general mental health challenges amongst Gen Z or or the rising generation. At this point, I'm not really too interested in teasing out all of the possible reasons why I think that we're still trying to figure all of that out. but. It's, it's clearly there. And so I want to maybe think about this idea of firmness of mind in light of mental health. I should just start off by saying that, that I'm not a mental health professional. I don't have professional training in mental health. I don't claim to be an expert on, on mental health. But I, w- I will say that, that throughout my life, I've, I've had mental health challenges myself, including uh, anxiety and depression, and that I have loved ones who who struggle with various mental health challenges, and these challenges have been stigmatized in the past, but hopefully we're getting over those stigmas as a society, though I don't think we're quite there yet. I think that we have had this tradition in especially Western culture of thinking of our mind or our mental state as something other than uh, a physical ailment, even though our brains are certainly part of our body and an important part of our body. The science is actually catching up here, and we're being able to map out the impact of things like anxiety and depression and trauma on the way that the brain functions. And so while we might not understand uh, every cause of a given mental health challenge, they are certainly very real, and they, and they are prevalent in society, and 
and especially as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we should follow Elder Holland's invitation and give care and consideration to those who are struggling with these challenges. If we return back to the idea of having a firm mind and setting our mind on Christ, that can be a difficult thing when struggling with something like anxiety or depression or trauma. It can be difficult to see evidence for hope in these situations. And those struggles can color our reality in a way that cause us to interpret our lives and interpret our relationships in the most catastrophic sense. And I found that in my own life and my own challenges, there have been a couple things that have really helped to quiet and firm up my mind. And one of those things is absolutely exactly what Jacob is inviting these pure in heart amongst the Nephites to do, which is to pray to God with exceeding faith. Now, it should be clear that he's not just talking about the type of prayer where you're half asleep and your head's on the pillow and your butt's in the air, and it's just kind of a rote type of thing. He's talking about real, true, sincere prayer, something that you dig in and you, you search for the right words and you search to articulate yourself to God in a way that is sincere and honest and trusting and at times can be, can be frightening. One of the things that's so frightening about those types of prayers, sometimes the scriptures use the words fear and trembling, is because they require us to take account of ourselves and to be honest with ourselves and not distract ourselves from our current condition. Distraction is something that I think we all struggle with in our modern society. It's so easy to feel stressed or feel anxious about something, and instead of calling it out for what it is and naming it, we reach into our pockets and pull out our phones and scroll through our feed without really even caring what we're seeing as long as we are somewhat distracted from whatever discomfort we might be experiencing. And exceeding faith in prayer is something that calls us to set aside the distractions and to, to trust in God that even if there are uncomfortable parts of our lives, that that place of prayer is an honest place. It's a place of care. It's a place of grace um, and a place of charity. And going into those relationships, that type of a relationship in prayer with our Heavenly Father requires that faith and trust that if we are honest, that we will be met with grace. And one of the things that has been helpful for me in building that trust is something that the writer Adam Miller, uh, who's an LDS writer, he, he wrote this paraphrase of the book of Romans called Grace is Not God's Backup Plan. And in there, he puts very kind of clearly that we, we tend to assume that sin is primary and that grace is a response to sin. And he wants to bring out of Paul's teachings in Romans the truth that grace is primary, that grace is a gift that is given and that sin is maybe our rejection of that gift. And so when we talk about faith being the first principle of the gospel of Jesus Christ, 
it's not just a faith like I believe that Jesus lived, I believe that that he taught, and that even that he suffered, died, and resurrected. That's that's not what it is. Faith is believing in the Christ, the Messiah, the one who can heal, who can redeem even you. And that can be such a struggle, especially if some of the challenges you are dealing with are persistent anxiety or you've experienced trauma at some point in your life. To believe that even though your current condition or your current experience of life, even when it's, when it's painful or when it's isolating, can be healed or even just accepted and embraced with care by Jesus Christ, that can be a challenge, but that is having faith in Christ. It's not just faith in the fact that he was a person. It's the faith of who he is and what he is powerful enough to do for us. And so that prayer of exceeding faith, that's something that been uh, a lifesaver in, in my life, especially when I was young and in my teens. I struggled with depression. I struggled with suicidal thoughts, especially throughout middle school. And when I discovered that I could be broken and honest in prayer with Heavenly Father and that I could feel feel the care of my Savior even when I had to wake up the next day and still go back to school and still struggle with that anxiety and depression, that was something that truly did save my life. And I'm incredibly grateful for it. And I, I believe that type of prayer works in the truest sense, not in the sense that, uh, you know, you pray and that everything changes overnight and that your conditions change or anything, but in the sense that you enter into a relationship with an authentic and sincere and loving Heavenly Father and our Savior Jesus Christ. Some other things that have helped me to quiet my mind and have a firm mind, there are, there are other points of worship that we experience in the church, whether it's going to the temple or, or taking the sacrament or reading scripture, I think, needs to be seen as a form of worship where I find that when I engage in those with the intent to trust that if I set aside my cares for just that moment, you know, if I'm going into the temple, for example, and so I'm a temple worker right now, if I'm going in to be a temple worker, regardless of what's going on elsewhere in my life, part of that act of faith is, can I set aside those cares and my control or lack of control over those whatever's happening in my life for the period of worship and focus on the person in front of me if I'm doing an ordinance or the people around me for something like the sacrament and specifically focus on what the Spirit is telling me and the ideas and thoughts that I feel like uh, the Spirit is putting into my mind. If I can keep my focus there, then I find that as I leave those spaces of worship, whether it's scripture or prayer or an ordinance of some type, that I have a renewed firmness of mind, that my circumstances may not have changed, the conditions may not have changed that I'm living in, but I am I am more enlivened and my mind is quieter and less hectic and chaotic. I also find um, this might not seem like a very uh, religious activity, but I find that being active throughout the day helps to quiet my mind. Going on a run, 
raising my heart rate in a good way, whether it's like a walk or run, lifting weights, whatever it is, yoga, I feel like really helps. But anything that gets us into our body, I feel like is something that we need to take advantage of. For thousands and thousands of years, the human experience has been a very physical experience. And now it's a very digital experience. And those bodies that we have, and that in LDS theology, we believe we, we've worked for for an eternity to receive these bodies. And now we're here and we get to have this amazing mortal experience that is filled with trial and suffering. But that this is a learning ground for us to receive an education and to progress. And, and all of those beautiful teachings that we have about the importance of our bodies, those bodies are still there in, those digital, in this digital world. And they're just as important now as they've always been in the plan of salvation. And what we eat, how we sleep, our activity rates, getting outside, getting connected to the physical world and, and feeling, you know, when I go on a run, I do not feel great when I go on a run for the most part. I feel like I used to be an athlete and then I go on a run and I feel completely unathletic. But there's there's something to feeling different parts of my body when I'm running, like the fact that I have a tight hamstring or that uh, that my back is off and that I need to change my posture and all those types of things. That experience I have found tends to quiet my mind and heart and having that regularly, especially starting to work out can be difficult and getting in, getting in the workout mode can be difficult. But once you hit the flow, those people that have had it or are in that kind of workout pattern and workout flow can attest that there is almost something addictive about the type of clarity and uh, I think quietness to the mind that comes when you are making sure that you're in your body every day and raising your heart rate and breathing hard and all of those things. I also find that mindfulness practices really help, whether it's breathing exercises or meditative exercises. And there's, there's thousands of guided meditations or guided breathing practices that you can find on YouTube or something like that. And there might be a tendency to think of them as uh, kind of hippy-dippy or whatever you want to call them. But, but there's absolutely no doubt that mindfulness and breathing practices help to quiet the mind and contextualize life in a way that that might not change everything that's going on around you but changes the way that you can respond to everything that's going around you jacob says uh when nephi quotes jacob jacob says that there are kind of two ways to respond to life there's being carnally minded and then there's being spiritually minded and really what I think the phrase mindfulness is is really kind of overused, maybe, or has been used so much that it's it's losing its meaning. But really what mindfulness is, is an awareness that you can observe the thoughts that are coming into your head and that you can make choices to either respond to those thoughts or let those thoughts go. For example... One of my favorite stories from the screw tape letters is there's, uh, and I might get this wrong because I'm just going off the top of my head, 
but essentially the patient who is the the human being tempted either he is considering or he was considering this kind of work of art and he was getting so close to this amazing realization about his life and what the master devil instructs is that the way to to distract him at those moments is to remind him something like to remind him that he's hungry and just reminding him that he's hungry might get him to distract himself enough to go get some food and then you can distract him with one more thing remind him to buy a newspaper or that he forgot this appointment and pretty soon what was this moment of being able to connect with God becomes a series of distracting moments that lead us away from those true connections. So practicing mindfulness, practicing being aware of your thoughts, observing them, and realizing that you can respond to those. You know, he could have, that that patient, that man, could have been reminded that he was hungry, said, oh, I'm hungry, and then chosen to remind himself that it's okay to be hungry and can and continue to think about this painting. And so those are things that uh, can help. And you can be mindful in anything that you do. You can be mindful as you're reading scripture. You can be mindful as you're hanging out with your friends or as you're looking at your phone. And just paying attention a little bit to what thoughts are you having, what feelings you're having in your body, what emotions you're going through. Are you becoming anxious? Are you feeling at peace? All of those things, you get to observe those. And the more you do that, the more you'll be able to do that actively. So you'll be in, in life and something will be going wrong and all of a sudden you'll be able to realize that here you are in this moment. These are the things that are happening. These are the emotions that I'm having, but I still have the ability to respond spiritually minded and not just be subject to whatever uh, emotions or, or threats that I'm receiving or whatever it might be. One final recommendation I have with respect to receiving a firm mind is is human connection and when it comes to mental health especially um, challenges mental health can be isolating and whether it's finding a trusted friend who you can talk to or within your family or a mental health professional it's important to to reach out to connect with each other we're not meant to go through this life alone we're not meant to go through this life isolated. And I promise you that there are people in your ward, people in your in your school or in your family or uh, online or whoever it might be who care about you, who care about how you feel, who care about your happiness and who will do and who probably can't fix anything in life but can sit with you and reaffirm that you're important and that that you matter to them in your relationship. So that's kind of my thoughts on this phrase, firmness of mind. Again, I don't claim to be a mental health professional, and I don't even claim that that's what Jacob's talking about. But for me, that phrase was kind of a launching point to think about our minds, to think about our minds in worship, about how to quiet and firm up our minds on Christ and to keep things in that eternal perspective that this life, our experiences in this life are an education and some of those most educative moments are the most difficult moments and some of those difficult moments turn out to be a lot of moments or a very prolonged period of difficulty, but that if we approach them spiritually minded 
and we practice things that will help to quiet our minds and tune our hearts toward Christ, that there are so many of these promises. He'll console us. He'll advocate for us. Uh, we'll be able to feast on his love. All of those things are available to us in very real ways. They don't need to be kind of mystical changes of our reality, but that we'll feel real deep connection to our Savior and to each other. Thank you for listening. Uh, hopefully this <laughs> rambling uh, podcast on firmness of mind had some insight. If I misspoke in any way or if I uh, failed to describe a certain condition in a way that was caring or, um, or sensitive to anybody, I apologize. I'm not an expert in this. It's just something that I felt like deserved attention. But thank you for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Quarantine Seminary is an independent podcast unaffiliated with The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. None of the views expressed here represent the official teaching or position of The Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our music today, as always, was provided by Dallin Isom. Be sure to check out his stuff at SoundCloud.com. Be sure to subscribe to stay up to date on new content. Until next time, I'm your host, Mason Isom. Thank you.